Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. I am Jason Kong. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Bill, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing fine. Bill, you got a big grin on your face. I think it's because you're no longer dealing with political ads. Well, that's the, that is the darndest truth. Uh, I mean, regardless of who people voted for, uh, we have a lot to be thankful for, and, and one is that we don't have to suffer through uh, more of these horrible political ads. Uh, I mean, and all of the stuff thrown at us, the half lies, the pure lies, uh, just the slanting of things that is so ridiculous. Um, so anyway, I hope everyone's candidate uh, actually uh, was victorious. Uh, of course, that's sort of silly because only, only about half of us had. <laughs> but, but, but the truth is, we we do we can look back on the election and pat ourselves on the back because we had the best turnout ever, and and that's democracy, and that's I mean, from my own perspective. Uh, when everybody votes, you know, it, it doesn't matter who wins. The nation wins as a whole. Um, and so from my perspective, it, it, that's what it takes. And truthfully, we have a sorry record, generally speaking, in terms of voter turnout. So uh, the fact is, is that that is the one thing about this past election that has been very gratifying. Everything else, of course, has been, you know, horrible. But uh, the fact that we turned out and we voted in huge numbers, uh, that is something that we can look back and, and think good things about ourselves and our country. Now, with that said, there's been so much baloney thrown at us over the last several months. There, there are some things that I hope we can get serious about and looking at uh, the facts, if you will, and what it really does to this country. The la- You will recall, well, maybe you won't recall, most people forget what I say <laughs> a few minutes after it's said, but, you know, last week I promised to continue a discussion, and I guess you could have called it a teaser, uh, but one of my biggest concerns for our future uh, is not for my future, but for the future of our children and grandchildren. Now, this is particularly true uh, for uh, those who have children or grandchildren who are in their 30s or younger, you know, children or grandchildren, uh, because uh, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand what the future will look like for them if significant changes are not made. And there's some changes that we, you know, we can't do much about, but there are other changes that we can do a whole lot about if we come together as a country uh, and just make it happen. Uh, and of course, the, the bad news is that takes Congress and a president uh, taking this uh, a responsible approach to government. <laughs> okay, so 
now there's a two-edged prong while why I'm worried about the future and of course uh, you know I'm not really talking about um, folks of wealth I mean that they, they are going to be in good shape no matter what their children are going to be fine their grandchildren are going to be fine because they have plenty of money but the fact is the majority of Americans are going to struggle mightily and the fact is if if things if if policies don't change in a significant way uh, the entire country will collapse just like the Soviet Union collapsed back in the late 80s uh, this country could be headed in the very same direction and if we if we don't get a hold of it so uh, you know, why do I feel the way I do? Well, if uh, uh, you have to understand, first of all, that the middle class of this country has always, always been the strength of our country, always. And truthfully, it, 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 our middle class has been shrinking. You know, wealth has increased significantly in a small percentage of our population. And uh, the lower... Uh, uh, class, if you will, in terms of money, has been growing. In other words, the middle class is shrinking. Those of wealth, in it, the wealth is increasing, but the percentage is smaller. And so the biggest class increase is though on the bottom end of the scale. Not a, not a good picture if you understand how important the middle class is. Okay, so it's a two-pronged thing. The first piece we can't do much about, but that's the dynamics that have occurred with large corporations that we've seen over the last 20 years. And you can help me here, Jason, but, uh, you know, the fact is is that years ago, people worked for the same company all their life. They had job security. They had good incomes. They had pensions that were paid to them uh, uh, by their companies. Uh, do you see that anymore? Very rare that you see someone. It doesn't exist, really. About truthfully, the only pensions that still exist that I'm aware of are pensions from government. You know, like teachers and military, uh, and government workers, policemen, firemen. You know, those kind of things. And at least in North Carolina, they still have pensions. A lot of states have already done away with pensions. Well, it's more than that. You know, uh, in past years, big corporations would keep their employees on even in harder economic times. Do you see that anymore? No, you don't see Heck, Heck no. I mean, the bottom line is if the company, company hadn't already moved overseas for, for lower wages, you know, lower labor costs, less regulation for environmental, less labor regulations, you know, no child labor rules or anything like that. Um, you know, and of course we've seen that, and of course we've even seen companies hide their profits uh, overseas in Ireland and other places as well. So they're not paying the taxes that they really owe the United States anyway. But uh, the bottom line is, is if corporate profits are off this quarter, they fire thousands of people. You know, they don't have any real care for. Um, 
for their employees. They're, you know, the employees are more numbers now. Now, I'm not talking about smaller companies. That's a totally different situation. And, of course, small business is the backbone of this country. But, but you also have to depend on large companies as well. Um, and so they don't pay pensions. They actually are paying less for more work today, which has forced most Americans who want to live uh, a lifestyle even similar to their parents into two-income families where uh, you don't have the Aussie and Harriet's anymore as, as a norm. You have both husband and wife employed with full-time jobs or close to that. Those who still can have one-income families are much, much rarer today than they were in the past. So um, and those are those are things that we're not going to change. I mean that that's just the way uh, you know. Corporate corporations do not have a heart. They don't care. It's profit motivated, and that's all that matters. And and that's quarterly profits. So now I'm not against that. Don't misunderstand. I want corporations to be profitable so they will employ us and pay us and 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 so we can save in our 401ks and our IRAs because that's where we have to save for ourselves. But for young people, it's harder and harder to save because they're being paid less for more work. And even with two incomes, um, they're struggling to maintain uh, a typical American lifestyle. And so that's part of the problem uh, going forward for our children and grandchildren. And, of course, uh, the jobs are shifting. You know, that's something that's always going to happen. That's just, you know, can't change that kind of dynamic. But what's happening in the government? All right. Now, obviously, we've just gone through months of, of hearing all of, a lot of baloney, and we're in the middle of a pandemic. So, uh, and I say middle because we have at least another year to go, and all of us really need to stay vigilant to protect ourselves, to protect our families, to protect our communities. Uh, as has been said, this virus is not tired. It's not going away anytime soon. Uh, we don't have um, a, a shot we can take to uh, as a vaccine to protect us. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've seen the devastation that this has already occurred. I mean, it's it's been, you know, more folks have died uh, from coronavirus than all of the deaths we suffered in Vietnam. I mean, it's just we have to understand that it's up to us uh, as a nation and as a community and as a family to protect each other. And it's, you know, it's, you know, truth as I mean, I'm as tired of it as everybody else. But the fact is, we probably have another year to go. Now, with that said, whether you think the economy is good or bad, the fact is the last year we have been living in what I call a false economy. It's, it, now, why do I say that? It's because our economy clearly has been propped up by what? Government spending, <laughs> okay? 
And yes, uh, that, that government spending will be required for at least another year to keep our economy propped up. But it's not because the strength of the economy, it's because of all of the free money that's been poured into it, okay? We just have to recognize it for what it is. Now, with that said, uh, next year, uh, as I mentioned last week, will be a bloodbath for taxes that folks have not, you know, they don't keep it top of mind. But why do I say that? Most of the free money that was has been given out this year will be taxable income next year. And it's not because taxes have been raised. It's based on what's been done. Uh, and and you know you may say well what does that mean well those checks you, it, people have been receiving the twelve hundred dollars uh, that all American taxpayers received or all, virtually all uh, the five hundred dollars per dependent child the PPP loans that the small businesses and unfortunately medium and larger businesses received as well uh, to the degree that those loans are in fact forgiven. That's taxable income. All of it is taxable income. Uh, the $600 in unemployment checks, there's no withholding on that. So guess what? Next year, those bills are going to come due as, as tax payments that we as Americans owe. Well, guess what? Most people aren't going to have the money to pay it. And you know who the worst creditor in the world is? The Internal Revenue Service. That's why I'm a tax lawyer. I hate taxes. <laughs> and, and just like everybody else, you know, I'm, I'm in there. And the fact is, is that the bill is going to come due. In fact, uh, one of the unfortunate things is by government edict, uh, the military has not been withholding income taxes from military members for the uh, last number of months. And guess what? They didn't change the tax code. The taxes will be due. It's just that no money has been withheld. For I'm really concerned about our young military personnel, men and women, who have been forced to receive their money. If they have not put it back, I hope the commanders and leaders have been telling those folks, you got to put money back or you're going to be hurting next year because you got to pay your income tax. You just There's no... Uh, way around doing that. And I know I've been going on and on, but there are a few other things that I think are really important for people to understand about the future of our country and the dynamics. And it has nothing to do whether you're a Democrat or a Republican. It just has to do with with numbers, with money, and with taxes, and with spending, and, <laughs> and the like. Comes down to basic economics and arithmetic, and we need to be aware of that. And Bill, I'm glad we're having this discussion today. And so many folks who have listened to this program before have heard us talk about your seminars. There are two coming up on Wednesday, November 11th. That's this coming Wednesday. Be sure to go online to WGA Law. Dot com. There you can click on the seminars button. It's free to register, free to attend. Bill has two wonderful seminars, one dealing on the outrageous costs of long-term care. You can learn about assistance available to you, whether it's through Medicaid or VA benefits. And Bill has another seminar dealing with asset protection and with trust planning. You can register 
for either one or for both, again, for free. And it's free to attend as well. All you need is a laptop or a smartphone with an internet connection and an email address, and you're all set. You can partake in the wisdom of Bill. Go to WGALaw.com, click on the Seminars button, or you can call 919-256-7000. We have to take a quick break, but we will be right back. You are listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. We will be right back. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Find more about him at WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. That's also where you can go to register for this Wednesday's seminars. WGALaw.com. Just click on the seminars button. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander and Bill, I, I think you said this before we started the show, but it was uh, a wonderful phrase because it creates great imagery, but it's also accurate. Today we are plowing through the baloney, as you said, <laughs> and uh, I, I think I'm going to steal well, that one because well, it's accurate. Okay. Well, the first thing, I, I, I will promise everyone that if you sign up for either of my seminars, whether it's uh, whether your family is facing a long-term care crisis or you're trying to figure out a way to protect what you have, your what we call asset protection, uh, you know, in order to do good tax planning, good legacy planning for your family. Uh, that's what we do. My seminars will not have anything to do with the baloney that we're talking about right now. Okay, so... Um, actually, what I do with the seminars, and it, each seminar takes about two hours. I don't want anybody to think, oh, this is one hour and it's due. And I teach the facts. I teach as much as I possibly can. And I love doing it. I really do. It's fun for me. I've never had anybody say this was a waste of my time. Um, and and it's the kind of thing where people can get some really good information that they can make decisions with. So I hope folks will tune in to our webinar uh, when it comes that way. Now, l- let me move back to the second prong of why our children and grandchildren are in trouble. And, you know, we've, we've suffered through the baloney for the last six months, and that's all that's all been about the here and now it has not we haven't heard a word about how what we do now affects the future of this country the future for our children and grandchildren and so what am i talking about well and and this really is something that can change it has everything to do with government leadership from the president to Congress to Senate to local government to state government it has to do with with all of them but particularly the federal government at all levels and so when do you think the last when was the last time we saw what we call a balanced federal Budget. Now, balanced budget basically means that the government did not spend more than it took in that year. When was the last time you saw that, Jason? You're putting me on the spot. It probably was at a time when I wasn't really paying attention to the government budget. Yeah, you're too young. But bottom line <laughs> is we were talking about 1995 to uh, for the for the next few years. Okay, now. 
What does that tell you? Uh, well, and so when was that? That was actually when Bill Clinton was president. Now, Democrats can give credit to Bill Clinton, but the Republicans, quite frankly, can give credit for that balanced budget to Newt Gingrich, who was the Speaker of the House at the time, uh, because he was a leader in terms of trying to get a balanced budget. Uh, and you can also give credit to some degree to the president Prior to Bill Clinton, who that one was George H. W. Bush, uh, uh, who uh, actually did some great things himself, um, and uh, you know that if folks should remember, uh, H. W. Bush was the one who said, "Read my lips, I will not raise your taxes," and then taxes were raised during his presidency, and he caught a lot of flack for that. But the truth is, that was the beginning of uh, getting the federal spending into a balanced budget. It didn't balance uh, during his presidency, but it did balance during Bill Clinton's presidency. So there was good leadership. It was bipartisan. Uh, there was, uh, hey, when have you heard that word, bipartisan? Dang. <laughs> we hadn't seen that in years. But the other thing that, that is clear is that we've had both Democrat and Republican presidents since that time, yet, yeah, right? And, and so it's important. That, so the point I'm trying to make is this isn't about what party you belong to. It's trying to cut through the baloney and tell you what we're dealing with. All right, so what... Are, are we really talking about after, you know, they used to talk about deficits. Now, what's a deficit? The deficit is how much we are overspending. In other words, we're spending more money than we're taking in. So, in other words, to get a balanced budget, you have to spend what we're taking in and not more than that. Well, we've had deficit spending under Republican and Democratic leadership uh, for the last 20 years, right? Okay, so wh what's the worst year of deficit spending? This this year is clearly the worst year of deficit spending we've ever had. And we used to talk about deficits in the billions of dollars, and now we are talking about deficits in the trillions of dollars. We're over a trillion dollars in deficit this year. Over a trillion. Okay, so <laughs> what does that mean? It means that this year the federal government will take in about $3.65 trillion, and we've already spent more than $4.65 trillion. Now, what does that mean to us, and what does it mean to our future? Well, in essence, right now, simply the payment on the interest for our debt, our current debt being about $26 trillion, so <laughs> is over 7% of the entire federal budget. Now, that doesn't mean anything unless you actually put it into perspective. Now, our the the payment on interest is actually approximately one half of everything we spend on our national defense. We spend about 15% on national defense. That's everything. 
and we spend over 7% just on interest, not principal payments on the loan, just interest alone, okay? So how does that figure into the rest of it? Well, Social Security uh, is about 5%, so that should give you some pause. Our payment on interest is more than all the money we spend each year on Social Security. The cost of Medicare and Medicaid is another 5%. So here again, we pay more on the interest on the debt than for all of the uh, payments on Medicare and Medicaid. Uh, you know, it's also funny to me when, uh, you know, the campaigns accuse uh, certain people of being socialist. Truth is, I hate to say it, but we're all socialists because Social Security is not a capitalist idea. It's, I mean, if you get right down to it, Medicare, same thing. I mean, you won't find anybody in this country who's uh, hardly that's against Social Security or Medicare for seniors. And, but they're, uh, you know, whether you want to, however you want to color it, it, those are socialist concepts. <laughs> and I hate to say that because it just sort of pops the balloon of, of all of these folks that say, oh, you're this or you're that. I mean, that's, you know, there's no, I mean, if you get right down to it, uh, people being accused of a conservative or a liberal. I mean, we're human beings. We basically, none of us are fully conservative or fully liberal. We have, you know, I, I know for me, I'm, I fall into all of those categories. <laughs> but, but I think, you know, and so much is said about social programs. Social programs, you know, want, you know assuming that you believe in Social Security and you believe in Medicare, you know, that's a, a big percentage. You know, 5% is a lot. But... All the other social programs put together is only about 1% of the entire federal budget. Ain't much is what I'm getting at. So the bottom line is, is the biggest problem we've got is not how much we spend on defense or how much we spend on social programs or how much we spend for Social Security or Medicare. It's how much we're spending on the interest on our debt. That is the huge problem. So... The only way to get rid of it is somehow to get back to a balanced budget. And then once you get to a balanced budget, being start paying off the principal on that, that loan. Because it's like this. Why is the future at risk for our children and grandchildren? What happens when the interest payment is larger than it is today? And if we don't get this in line, that interest payment could be 10 or 15%. And at that point, our, our economy would probably collapse, and that's uh, and regardless of anything else. So this truly is important for folks to understand that the government really needs to uh, get this under control. And whether it's by raising taxes or reduced spending or a combination of both, uh, somehow it's got to be taken into consideration and, and taken care of. Uh, and it's not going to happen without people recognizing this as a huge problem. Now, with that said, uh, hopefully I have uh, talked facts so that folks can digest things that are real important for our future as a 
country, uh, but particularly as it relates uh, to the future for our children and grandchildren. And I, and I will come back with a few things that I think are important for folks to be thinking about if they can afford to do it for their children and grandchildren. That's great because the, the bill comes due at some point and we don't want to pass the buck all the time to the, uh, the future generations, but everything that we can do within our control to make sure that they are prepared for uh, the upcoming financial storm ahead is good to hear. Again, if you want to register for the seminars that Bill mentioned earlier in the segment, be sure to head over to WGALaw.com and click on the seminars button. It's free to register, free to attend. This is happening Wednesday, this Wednesday, November 11th. Be sure to go to WGALaw.com, click on the seminars button to register or call 919-256-7000. 919-256-7000. A quick break and back with more. You are listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be right back. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. I am Jason Kong. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we're talking about some uh, threats to our future generations when it comes to being able to uh, afford things and financial burdens that they may face. And Bill, I know you wanted to share some tips for our, uh, what we can do to help out our younger our future generations. Well, now I'm talking about folks who are likely to be clients of mine. You know, what are some of the things that we can do? Because the fact is, is that those of us who are retirement age or have already retired, uh, for the most part, we're in pretty good shape financially. Uh, you, You know, our generation did not suffer uh, some of the issues that um, that our children and grandchildren are struggling through uh, in terms of, of what they're doing. And, of course, uh, there are lots of kids and grandkids out there who are, are being very successful. So, uh, you know, that, of course, is, is fabulous when we have that. And you certainly hope that for your, your children. Uh, but uh, actually, this group, this next generation coming up, frankly, it will be the first generation who will struggle if they can even meet the same standard of living as their parents. You know, my generation, I live better than my parents did. My parents live better than their parents did. The, my grandparents live better than my great-grandparents, and that has been the American way for my entire lifetime, until now. And so... <laughs> Um, you know, so truthfully, I don't expect my children or grandchildren to to actually do as well uh, as I have done unless I give them a leg up somehow. So to the degree that uh, my, my folks out there who have uh, children or grandchildren, and more often than not, I'm really talking grandchildren, who are young, and by young, I mean you know, prior to school age, you know, uh, five, six, or younger, because the younger the better, you know, the power of numbers. Um, most of my grandparents, uh, what are they trying to do? And this is where I'm trying to change attitudes. Most of them are saying, we want to help our grandchildren go to college. And while that's an admirable thing, and I'm certainly not against it, in fact, I think it's wonderful when people do that, 
the more important thing for us to help our children and grandchildren with would be their retirement years because there are a hundred different ways that you can find to go to college or to graduate school. I mean, there's scholarships, there's loans, there's you can join the military, you can do all sorts of things in order to get your education paid for. Um, now, of course, college debt can be an issue, too, that can drag you down. But the fact is, is that if you don't have the ability to save enough money for your, your retirement, uh, you're in deep do because you can't make it up once you retire, you, you you know, I mean, okay, you can go work at Walmart as a greeter, but uh, <laughs> the fact is, is that that's not going to give you enough money to pay for the things that you want to have uh, in retirement. So instead of, of uh, putting money aside for just college, I, I often tell my clients to do some other things that might be extremely beneficial. One uh, way to to really create a multi-million dollar um, retirement package for a grandchild is to purchase a life insurance policy that is designed to create cash value over time. Now that's that makes may pe- make people pause, but what does that do? Um, it, it it takes an investment over a period of years of about. in order to accomplish that. And the younger the child is or grandchild, the better. In other words, you'll have a stronger portfolio if the child is one or two than you would if they were eight or nine. But the the numbers still work. But if you can put uh, money aside, same amount of money every year for at least – you know, six, seven, ten, or even twenty years. If you can build it up to about forty thousand dollars in terms of paying for premiums for a young child, you have to understand that when people are young and healthy, the part of that that is actually going for life insurance is next to nothing. And so, it you have to understand that life insurance. People ask me about asset protection. A life insurance policy is asset protected, whether you own it outright yourself or whether uh, it's in an irrevocable trust so that the proceeds are out of the estate uh, of the person who actually gets the policy. So the point is, is that a life insurance policy grows inside the policy income tax-free. It you can borrow against it income tax-free because it's a loan, all right? And then the death benefit pays out income tax-free. So the the fact is, is as an investment strategy, a long-term investment strategy, it's one of the best things that a person can do because that $40,000 investment, when that child turns 70, which I think will be the new retirement age, if not even older than that, at that point, it creates a fund where the child could borrow between ten and twenty thousand dollars per month, and still have at least a million dollars in death benefit left over, if not more. So the point is that if somebody had a fund like that that they could draw from for retirement, that would be huge. <laughs> okay. 
So, yeah, I think that is a better investment for a parent or grandparent to make than even a college fund. Now, if you can afford to do both, that's even better. But to me, the the future in terms of how retirement is, because even Social Security in the future is not predicted to be able to pay for retirement expenses other than it should be enough to pay for most health care expenses, not long-term care. That's different. But, you know, and that's not paid for in our government either. You know, that's why I do so many long-term care webinars and seminars is because it's not paid for. Um, And so that's another thing that people need to watch out for. But you see how that works. Now, what if your children are older? You know, they're 15, 16, and they're just starting to work. Well, guess what? Their tax rate is zero or pretty darn low. That's the perfect time to help your children with a Roth IRA. You know, a Roth goes in after tax, just like life insurance goes in after tax. But once it's in, a Roth grows income tax-free and it pays out income tax-free. So if you can help your grandchildren or your children contribute to a Roth at early on, you know, you, yeah, you can contribute $5,000 uh, as, as, as much as they earn up to $5,000. So why wouldn't you do that? That to me, I mean, they can't spend it because you have to have it in a Roth at least five years. And, you know, hopefully by that time they'll have forgotten about it. <laughs> but the point is, is it's a retirement fund and, and it can grow, 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 grow during all of those years. So as much as you can help people contribute to a Roth IRA, particularly when their tax rate is very, very low, there is no better time to contribute to a Roth than when a person is young because you have more years of accumulation and they have a very low tax rate to boot. So that's the time to do it. That's a great tip. And getting started earlier is better. A quick break and back with more. You are listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Jason Kong here alongside Bill Alexander and want to remind everyone that there is still time to register for this Wednesday's seminars happening on November 11th. These cover both long-term care assistance and asset protection and trust planning. All you have to do is go to WGALaw.com, WGALaw.com, and click on the Seminars button. There you can register for free. It's free to attend, and you get wonderful nuggets of information from Bill that you just can't find anywhere else. We talk so often on this show about myths when it comes to Medicaid and when it comes to long-term care assistance, and this is really how you can educate yourself for free when it comes to these topics. WGALaw.com. Click on the Seminars button. You can also go, or you can also call 919-256-7000. 916 7,000. Bill, I know you wanted to uh, talk about a little bit of asset protection before well, we head Well, folks, out. no, I'm all about asset protection. And even those families that go on Medicaid need asset protection to protect their homes and to protect anything else that they can protect, which oftentimes is everything as long as you get good professional advice while you're alive. It's, it's when folks come to us after their loved one has died asking for asset protection that they can't get it more often than not. 
But, you know, I talked about your children and grandchildren. A life insurance policy is an asset-protected asset under state law, uh, under most state laws. It's an, it is something a creditor can't take away from you. So no-brainer. It's asset-protected. Your retirement accounts, uh, 401Ks are protected under federal law. 403B, same protection. Those are ERISA protections. Even under state law, your individual retirement account, your IRAs of any kind, traditional IRAs, Roth IRAs, they're all protected assets. They're asset protected without lawyers, without trusts. Those are just no-brainer asset protections. Now, sometimes it's good to put them in a trust for other reasons, but it's really an important thing for folks to understand. And if you can do it for your children and grandchildren, it's like this. If the government doesn't get its act together and protect our children and grandchildren, then it's on you. Uh, And these are things that you can do if you can afford it to protect your children and grandchildren. And that's why it's so important for folks to be thinking about this, because I have more faith in my clients than I do in the government. (laughs) I think a lot of people would agree with that. If you want to schedule an appointment with Bill, go to WGALaw.com. There you can do that. And as I said earlier, you can also register for this Wednesday's seminars, WGALaw.com, and click on the seminars button. A quick break and back with more. You are listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be right back. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us today. Don't forget to register for this Wednesday's seminars, WGALaw.com is the place to go to register for Bill's seminar dealing with long-term care assistance as well as his seminar dealing with asset protection and trust planning just click on the seminars button at wgalaw.com bill you have a parting shot for us before we head out well the the basic premise of my civics lesson is real simple the the deficit spending and the greater the debt is it it may make our life easier but it's going to make it a struggle for our children and grandchildren because that's that's the bottom line. The better we have it, the worse our children and grandchildren will have it. The bill always comes due. That, that should be a slogan for you, Bill. The bill always comes due. Uh, well, we are out of time for today. Don't forget WGALaw.com or you can call 919-256-7000. 919-256-7000 to register for Wednesday seminars. We hope to see you there. We are out of time for today, but we will be back again next weekend. Thank you so much for listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Have a great day.